Welcome to the Logger and Listings Podcast with JFK Properties. This podcast gives real estate investors, experts, and entrepreneurs an opportunity to share their stories over a casual beverage. Hosted by the founding members of JFK Properties, an investment company that specializes in commercial and residential real estate. So sit back, grab a drink, and listen to this real, insightful, and sometimes funny podcast on real estate investing and entrepreneurship. To catch everybody up to speed, we're in the process of looking at refinancing one of our properties, but it's an interesting one because it was a church that's being converted into a daycare. And basically the reason we're doing this is because we're simply paying too much. We got a loan from a mortgage broker, and of course the interest rates are higher than the banks. Most recently, I think I think it was Jerry and myself, we've done some refi on our properties, and the interest rates is what got us to thinking about this property as, hey, maybe we just bring everything under one branch, keep it under one house, and uh, see if we can get better rates. My interest that I got for the cottage was 1.35%. Amazing. 1.35% amortized 25-year yeah. amort? Or- no, I did 30. I stretched it out back to 30 again. Yep. Even better. Yep. <laughs> so my mortgage on the cottage dropped by, I think it was $120 every two weeks. That's amazing. And I got a couple hundred thousand to invest through HELOC. So, uh, Jerry... I know a business that's looking for, uh, for money, yeah. <laughs> for investment capital, for short-term rentals in Florida. Yeah. <laughs> I told you, I'm in. The number's got to be right for me, but I'm in. You know, well, we've talked about it before. For me, part of the HELOC is it's money that I put in and through smart investing that I've got available. But so my son's going to university. So this gives me that buffer for my son and my daughter in four years that if I need that money for post-secondary, it's there. And then the other is there to invest. So I think it's interesting because people with that entrepreneurship investor mindset aren't afraid to establish a HELOC on a property, especially with rates as low as they are, and then utilize that money either within their own business to expand, to start a business, or like we were had the conversation today, invest with somebody else and generate an actual return instead of having dead equity. Or, um, or finish a basement. Or finish a basement because you have like a million people coming <laughs> over to your place every week. Every week. See, I'm not quite so popular, so I don't need a finished basement. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think I just need another house for people to visit when they do. <laughs> there you go. And again, for us, I, I think I know a business that can maybe, you know, find a property for you and uh, where it's nice and warm, where it's nice and warm. Okay. And you can send Are we going back to Spain again? We can. <laughs> Absolutely. But um, now for taking the short trip right to Florida. Well, that will definitely do. Like um, I was on training class with uh, Roel, who we'll probably have on the podcast at some time, especially as we start getting more involved with investing in Florida and short-term rental. But it's a process. It's not as simple as just, hey, let's go find a property. We have the money for a down payment and that's it. Like, you know, getting your tax number setting up, getting your corporation set up, getting bank accounts set up, establishing credit. That's just for the US, let alone what Spain might be like. So, right. 
you know, it goes back to the last episode talking about, yeah, we made the decision that we want to do short-term rental and we could say, Hey, we want to somewhere warm, but we really have to do our due diligence on that market and what process it's going to take to actually establish ourselves, which is probably a few months absolutely, to get everything in place. And that's even before you should really start looking at a property. And the good thing is you do have some backing where that's concerned. Yeah. It makes it easier. So for you know, people that are maybe listening to this that are like, well, hey, I want to do the same thing, but don't know anybody. In or how, how, market how market. even to start. Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely have to go through the process, do the research or find somebody that's done it already and, you know, kind of learn from them. You know, and we're fortunate that we have that where we can learn from somebody else that's been through that, you know, a few years ago. Great. What does this have to do with refinancing? Well, <laughs> Because we just brought up, oh, it created other investment opportunities. Correct. We just brought up the good stuff about refi. We've got HELOC money to lend and make money and put our kids through school. Which kind of begs the question that we talked about earlier was decisions we've made in the past and were they, everything looks better in hindsight and start to wonder if selling those properties for a profit because the market was great. Should we have held on to those, tried to refinance them based on current values, and then reinvested that money? I mean, I think we've all seen that the sale of those was great. We got money in the bank, but a lot of it's going to go back to the government through capital gains tax and probably a a future discussion or podcast or interview or whatever it is, is try to get somebody that's much smarter in accounting than the three of us are right uh, on how to manage that, what the best way to manage that is moving forward. Yeah, I think also, yeah, making that decision, do you try to refinance or do you sell? And I think there is always a time to sell and there's you know, other times there were refinance makes sense. And at the end of the day, those properties provided more profit than in that you know short period of time than we projected in five years, which was our plan. So looking at our plan, we executed that. We made the profit we wanted. It just happened to be in a shorter time frame. So right. whether it was five years or one year, we were going to pay capital gains on that money anyway. Right. But could instead of paying capital gains after two years, could we have refinanced, bought more properties with that money, not paid capital gains, but now had four buildings instead of two? Yeah. Just continue to grow uh, the business without right. them taking half of it. I, yeah. No, I think we, you know, quite frankly, we probably all fell into the same trap that uh, individual investors do is you see the money on the table and you're quick to take it off. And it sure as hell felt great taking it off the table. But when you have to pay the tax, and, and again, that goes to deeper tax questions on what do you need to do in your business to have active income? Because if we had active income, there's more tax benefits that you can write off. Right. If it's straight real estate investing, it's all passive income. And in Canada, that gets taxed at 50%. It's huge. Right. And then you got capital gains on top of that when it's all passive. It's just a kind of a double whammy. So, yeah, I don't know. I just started thinking of it over the last couple of days in hindsight. We learned in those courses that we took that you get a property, it's worth more, you refinance it. The training that I sat in was never talking, unless you were flipping houses or wholesaling, it was never talking about flipping multifamily. It was cash flow, refinance, cash flow, refinance, and build. 
you know, it, it might be something we look back on and kick ourselves a little bit. And I'll take uh, kicking myself with tens of thousands in our pocket <laughs> yeah, because of that right. mistake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And talk about the refinance. One thing I don't know if um, I ever talked to you guys about, but with the uh, duplex and Timmins, initially did look at refinancing it and the mortgage broker that got the the initial mortgage on it and they came back with a number it wasn't enough to actually pull anything out of it because it was a short period of time because there was nothing substantial done to the property it wouldn't have been appraised enough because it, again they were just looking at the building what was done to it where it was located and didn't care about the cash flow because when it was bought right. it was vacant and had no cash flow right. established cash flow so the sales price was based on that net operating income and the cap rate of intimates so it was able to sell it for a lot versus trying to refinance, which would have had to dump a lot of money in. And in that, that, that's for you made sense at the time. Yeah, that definitely made sense. Like Jerry said, we probably could have back then. Uh, We held it for what, a year and a half, two years or whatever. We probably could have looked at doing a refi and pulling that out and potentially put it into a new one, right? Even if it was holding it for another six months or a year before you could refinance. I just think next time around, it's something that we need to be more cognizant of is did it make sense i mean we knew about capital gains we understood there was going to be taxes it wasn't like we were just flying by the seat of our pants and sold them we knew what it was but in hindsight i look at it and wonder could we have done more with that had we refinanced and and it was a couple of years and you know your your deal in timmons kurt was not even a year Right. Uh, so that was six months. That, that's a little bit different than a year and a half, two years. That's not hugely different, but in the market, the way it's been the last six or eight months, it is because we've seen the, the market go crazy. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I think we kind of learned, and that's what we're looking at refinancing the daycare, which has its own set of challenges because it's now commercial converted church to a daycare appraisals more because it's commercial without the guarantee of getting appraised at the amount we need to actually refi to pay off the initial loan on it but at the end of the day if we can increase the cash flow by what's projected assuming it does get appraised at the value it's going to increase what we can sell it for down the road substantially the risk then becomes do we invest what could be three thousand thirty five hundred out of pocket to get it appraised knowing that kind of like what you talked about with your thing in Timmins. Now we've owned the church a little bit longer, but the reality is it's a church converted to a daycare that when you look at straight real estate value, just land and property may not qualify for what the true value of it is. So I think we risk that appraisal coming in lower than what we think it's worth and what we've assessed it. Mm-hmm. No, it's certainly an interesting one. And I know for as you're going to be contacting different appraisers to get a sense of what the cost is going to be. And then we reconvene and make the decision of, do we do it or do we not? I definitely do think it's worth looking at. Like, I mean, we're in a position right now that no one wants to dump $3,500, but we can. And in hopes that, you know, it works out in our favor, but we still need to know what we're doing, right? What is the alternative? Because if let's say we spend 3,500 and the appraisal comes back at 700,000 instead of 900,000, right. then what do we do? Well, right. That, you know, it, because maybe but what does reduces, that mean? Look at the numbers. What are we looking at? So let's say that 
we take that refinance, pay a portion of the existing loan, and that increases our cash flow by instead of 500 or 600, whatever that number is, maybe it's 100. Is that worth it long term? That's where you come in and yeah. your spreadsheets. Yeah. So we'll run the numbers on it, but I think talking through it, even if it comes in at 700, I could put something together and say, hey, this is worst case scenario. This is what it would look like. And this is what it do to long-term value of this property based on cash flow. Is it worth it? I guarantee yeah, I, that. I, I do think we did all discuss that maybe, you know, if it came in at a lesser value, do we top it up and, you know, just leave a bit with the other guys, right? With the higher interest rates. And if the lower one works out where we can still cash flow and not be under, then why not? Is that an option though, to leave a bit with the other bank? And I thought the person that we were dealing with said that it could be. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was my understanding as well. Yeah, that there okay. could be payout of what can get funded. And then if we were looking at carrying that balance, if, if we couldn't, it makes sense. Why not? Oh, if, well, then I missed that. And if that's the case, then it seems like a no brainer, whatever the, comes in for the, that is going to be less than what we're paying now. So right, right. It's just our, our our numbers guy is going to have to bless that and say year and eight, right? <laughs> yeah, and that, I think that's a tough part is to how to you know make that decision. You have to start with okay, this is what it will look like worst case scenario from a business standpoint, and then for us because there's three of us collectively make that decision. Right, and if we are increasing cash flow by hundred dollars a month, twelve hundred a year. The resale on that is going to be worth more than 3500 that we're paying. That's a good point because it's something that I, until we talked earlier, I didn't really think about. I'm just looking at the dollars and cents today on what it costs us. But to your point, if we go to sell the property, they're always looking at whether, you know, how much it cash flows. That's if for an agent, maybe not the appraiser, but the real estate agents and, and investors are going to look at what the property can make the same as we did when we bought it. So it is a good point that even if the savings seem minimal month to month, they may make a big difference on the the overall cost or value of the property to a real estate investor. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the plan is to make the calls tomorrow, get some estimates and crunch some numbers. Yeah. If we can keep money with you know where it's being held right now, then I don't really see a downside because if they're we're getting the one at a lesser lesser yeah um, yeah. so there's got to be some some cash flow there right yeah Mm -hmm. no absolutely and you know sometimes i think as investors you get into a deal knowing that paying a lot in you know your rates are going to be higher but we talked about before trying to refinance i think relatively early on we had the discussion just kind of waited till the time and when you guys did your personal you know, properties and saw what the rates were, what we needed to get that, as you said, it motivated us to move forward with it. Now, right. the other properties we have, it's a situation where we are looking at and want to talk about the ugly stepchild of a property that we forgot <laughs> we even own. <laughs> yes, we do. The money maker. The money maker that nobody remembers going through the process of doing renovations and doing it strategically where it's not, you know, based on the market that it's in. It's not downtown Toronto where we're trying to make in this fancy loft, but enough where we can charge more in rent, again, increase the cash flow that a resale or refinance is going to be hopefully better because an appraiser will look at the fact 
that, hey, we invested 10,000, whatever it is in a unit, it's all updated and everything like that. Those are things that appraiser will be looking at. Right. Not the numbers, but from our standpoint, charging more rent is going to increase the numbers at the end of the day when we go to sell. And it kind of ties back into the church that we were talking about, because when you think about it, even since we've owned it, the furnace, the air conditioning have all been added. And to our benefit, the tenants have footed the bill for half of that. So there has been investment made in that property that we'll be able to to show the appraisers. So, right. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, I- you're right. I mean, I think with the other one, it's a challenge because, well, first of all, it's one of those buildings that we haven't seen. None of us have seen it. So we're looking at pictures there comes, of- Here comes Jerry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> because we haven't it's seen coming. it. Who knows right. how bad it is? The pictures look fucking horrible. <laughs> but is it that bad? Is it just peeling paint that can be scraped off and painted? I don't know. And we're we're at the mercy of contractors who- went and looked at it and and let's face it contractors right now can probably charge whatever the hell they want but we don't know we don't know what visually with our own eyes what it is but we do have a great property manager who that she's been giving us the advice that this building could be a lot more than what we bought it for which we always thought it could be Mm -hmm. but she thinks it could be bigger and better than even what we thought it would be so where how do you balance that because she's saying spend the money in it we want to spend some money in it but to kurt's point not it's we're not downtown toronto here and i mean from looking at the quote that we get we got i know that there was a fair bit of stuff that needed to be done but when we talk lipstick and makeup to get something up to par that built didn't really suit that model right yeah. it was a lot of makeup let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> yeah yeah, we don't want to be like the prettiest building or property on an ugly street. That's not going to get you the money because somebody's going to look at it and say, well, there's no real upside potential. Now, when we bought it, did need work, which we knew. Didn't really know how much per unit because every unit as tenants move out, that's when you really find out. Did right. They trash it, that they do a good job of taking care of it, but just get it to a point where it's a good unit, solid building, maximize the rent. And that's it. So whatever that number is to renovate, I think that is where we need to go. And not just for this building, but for even the other one in Timmins, which Jerry has heartaches about as well. Uh, the shithole. <laughs> <laughs> the shithole that we bought. <laughs> it's not a shithole. <laughs> right. Are you kidding me? You're the only person I've heard since we bought it say it's not a shithole. Gary. And I haven't seen it, but that's what I've heard. Gary said it was, it was good. And like we talked about before, we have, you know, faith in Gary and it's just, you know, the strategy, it's certainly not an easy property to manage from the property manager's perspective with the tenants, with the location, there's only a certain amount of rent that we can get out of it, but at the price we purchased it, we could turn around and sell it for more based on cash flow. If we can turn those tenants over, do a little bit of cleanup, right? maybe charge a little bit more, but not as much as we could with uh, the ugly stepchild. I actually yeah. feel like those tenants are making money off our place because that basement looks like it's fully rented. Yeah. Yeah, it does. I'm not going to lie. There was about six six cots down there. <laughs> yeah, it looked like it. And there was piles of clothes that looked like it was in like a refugee camp. Yep. Yep. 
Yeah, I think the first clue was when the bed was in the family room and there was just clothes and stuff in the bedroom. I'm not sure why that happens, but um, you guys got to warn me the next time though that we do these Zoom meetings and Gary's walking around that it's live and I, I oh, don't. Yeah. <laughs> What? I don't just blurt out shit like, oh, that's a pretty sight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the Zoom tour. Yeah. 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 What was it? You were making, you made some comment about the decor or something. The or lady the, opened her bedroom mess. door. She opened oh. her bedroom door. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's pretty. Yeah. Well, at least we don't have. Yeah. See, those are COVID challenges and virtual challenges. And also yep. distance challenges like Timmins is what seven, six, seven hours from us. If you drove, yeah, I would think it's seven, seven, at least yeah. seven. I mean, we're four and a half to Sudbury, so yep. I would think it'd be another, another two, and, two and, half, and a half for uh, those guys. Yep. As much as we love road trips, a seven hour drive to Timmins does not sound appealing. Yeah, I've never wanted to go to Timmins. Okay. It's like not a place I've ever said to anybody that I would like to go. We own a place now, but that's not where I've ever wanted to go. Yeah, seven hours and 40 minutes from here. There you awesome. go. About uh, Thunder Bay. Thunder Bay, I've, I, again, I don't care to go there, but I've market-wise, I've heard it's good. I mean, that's why Timmins, because of the mining business or industry is, is picking up. All the um, let's get rid of oil, Greenpeace, save the planet bullshit, and then we're going to go mine everything out of the ground with massive trucks that take all the oil and carbon and all the shit we're trying to get rid of. So it is what Sudbury and Timmins, that whole area is mining. So, so Jerry, can you do us a favor? Yeah. Can you tell us how you really feel? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have no problem with that. <laughs> he goes to the point, you have to go as an investor, go where the money is and the money led us to Sudbury. It led us to Timmins for a bit. You know, we're realizing that although there is some money to made in Timmins, it has its challenges as a market. It is not as desirable as Sudbury. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> Sudbury is a beautiful place. And it's, I actually like Sudbury. I see, it I grew on me. It's cold <laughs> and there's lots of snow. That's in the summer. I'm sure it's lovely. I don't know if you guys follow the weather channel or have Sudbury on it, but I get alerts every hour about how bad the weather is. How cold is it now in Sudbury? Pretty damn cold. It is something we learned pretty quickly when we bought up there because Remember when we bought in Sudbury, the first building, and I think it was, you know, it was October or something, and our property manager started getting on our case because we didn't have snow removal. Yeah. <laughs> and it was, well, you know, I 10 degrees Celsius here. To go look at the place. I didn't, I wasn't wearing snow boots. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was when we looked at it. But I mean, yeah. after we bought it, because right. we didn't even think we needed snow removal in October. Correct. But clearly we did. Yeah, it's um, that was a learning lesson. Like overall, it, whatever market you're in, you have to actually factor in. And we did factor in snow removal. We just didn't factor in the timing of it. But yeah, it was like solar panels in Sudbury. Yeah, you know, and and they turned it was good added income in our first property, but it was a short window of three or four months where you got good draw from that solar, and then the rest of the year was pretty small, if anything. Yeah, so we were. I think we used the solar seven. income to offset the snow plows. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so obviously, we have a plan for the refinance. Next steps, at least, I think we've kind of made a decision on it, and I think for anybody 
listening, any investor that's gone through before, you have to make that decision, not necessarily in the short term, as you mentioned, Jerry, cash outlay, but what does that mean long-term for the cash flow and possible value of that building for other investors? So I would say, don't be scared of investing money in your property, whether it's getting an appraisal for a refinance or improving you know, a unit or a couple of units, if it's going to mean additional money down the road. That is my lesson for the day. Agreed. And talk through it. This is the kind of stuff we do all the time is just have a conversation. And as you, whatever I was thinking at the start of the conversation, I may still be strong on it at the end, but there's plenty of times where I completely change my thinking. And sometimes it's because of what you guys say. Sometimes it's because I ramble on and I hear myself <laughs> and I realize I just made a good point that was counter to what I was thinking. And I think that is the neat part about our this partnership, this business is we just talk ideas through. And then at the end of it, usually we're all in agreement on what the next step is. So I wasn't sold on spending 3,500 bucks or whatever it was for an appraisal, but this conversation helped me understand it. Yeah, I think me too. You know, I thought about it, but again, talking through it and hearing different perspectives. Potentials, right? Yeah. Which we can sit here all day long trying to figure out the potentials on our own, but without discussing it, like we've done everything else and what's got us here today is we've always sat down, discuss it. Even when we weren't doing this, we were still having Zoom meetings. We were still meeting for dinners, what have you, and discussing it because if you didn't do it, then I mean... I don't want to be sitting there going, holy shit, are we making the right decision? You know what I mean? So we'd always get together. We'd talk it through. And like Jerry said, as the end, it will, it's a yes or a no. If it makes perfect sense for the business, then we do it. And the yes is we're doing the appraisal. Then the question mark is we'll figure out the repairs on the other one and see if we can uh, pair back on the lipstick a little. Yeah. Not Sephora or Mac, was it? The other one for us? I'm, I'm glad that you're an Sephora expert. Sephora and Mac? I believe if they're listening, we're looking for sponsors for the podcast. <laughs> correct. <laughs> that is correct. Logger listings brought to you by Sephora. <laughs> Perez, make that happen. I'll try. You know me. I'll work every single angle. I went with the total wrong industry for uh, my points. <laughs> I don't think we're looking for those type of sponsors no 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 we're not <laughs> definitely not <laughs> well jess i gotta jump off here i just got the text message saying can you come pick me up so this is awesome real life real world situations but yes <laughs> understood go do what you need to do and uh i guess we just thank everybody again for tuning into another episode as always which i think will become our tradition for signing off on these cheers to everybody listening happy investing and uh Keep building your businesses. Stay tuned. Cheers. Cheers. If you've enjoyed listening to the Logger and Listings podcast, leave a like or a comment. Not only will we appreciate it, but it will also help this podcast grow organically and help other investors and entrepreneurs grow their businesses and have fun along the way. <laughs>